all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And I'm James. And this is All Bad Things. Featuring... Special guests. One of my best friends. James! Yes. Me. Yay! And the whole audience goes wild. Speaking of the whole audience going wild, what are you in town for? What's the main reason you're in town? Well, I'm in here. I'm in town to see the Duke Blue Devils smash a uh, substandard ACC team. Uh, and I look Boston forward to College? It. Yeah, yes. Boston College. Okay, I don't even know what game I'm going to. I just, <laughs> I just know it's Duke. Uh, people who have listened to this podcast before know I I don't necessarily have a disdain for basketball. I just, just I just kind of just don't care. And I live again in the worst part of the country to not care about college basketball. Deep in ACC basketball oh, yeah. territory. Deep in ACC lore, as I like to say, right? Are all is um, Duke State and UNC? Are they all ACC teams? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh okay. Original ACC oh. ACC teams. So okay. we we are in the triangle, basically the triangle of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where where if you uh, if you don't like any one of those teams. Um, it's, it's, it could be bad news for you. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, James arrived Saturday night. We took him to pharmacy, which we need to start uh, tagging our beers. By the way, what are we drinking tonight? Aviators. Yes. What kind of aviator? Well, I'm going <laughs> to have to take my, my beer koozie I know, off. I, I have to do the same thing. Local Fuquay Brewery. <laughs> Somebody has to say what they're oh, drinking. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say it. It, it is the uh, cappuccino tiramisu mezzanote. 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 <laughs> mezzanote. <laughs> Porter brewed with coffee and vanilla. That sounds very good. It is pretty good. Is it? it yes. It's pretty tasty. Just make sure it's not brewed with lactose. Not so that I can uh, so tell. Saturday night we got James uh, beard up a little bit with some local flavor. Bear me. Flavor and what are you having? I'm having the I've I've had this on the air before. This um this is the Catawba peanut butter chocolate stout. Ah, it yes. is delicious out of Asheville. So, um so we've mentioned you before yes. on the show, James, because obviously um anytime somebody who does a disaster podcast knows of anybody who works in any sort of emergency or disaster relief field. We're going to mention you multiple times. So we have definitely mentioned you on the show. Have you heard us do that? I haven't heard you guys mention okay. mention me or my profession. He, but, sound, he sounds bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Janet and I we we have uh, we have listened we have listened to several podcasts and we enjoy them. And uh, <laughs> accepting this invitation to 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 come aboard for today was was exciting for me. So thank you. Thank you for doing it. No problem. Yeah, no problem. You know, I've already told you that in my notes there are certain places that are just highlighted in red, and it's just like, insert James explaining here. <laughs> I, I will do my best. Okay. All right. So can you, what is your rank? Can uh, in So you are, you work for a fire, depart, a fire department. What is your rank within the fire department, and what does that mean? Like, where does that put you on the hierarchy? So, so I've worked for my fire department for... 
um, 12 years now, going on 13. I currently hold a captain's rank. Okay. What that means is I, I'm in charge of a, of a company. We have, um, th- we have a total of four, uh, four people on a, on a fire truck. Uh, I currently don't have a home station. I am, I am a oh. rover captain. So we basically take our truck and we go to other stations while they are going to do training or if they have some type of special event. Oh. Or so you if fill in? We, fill, we, okay. we definitely fill okay. in. We, we don't, our schedule is a little bit different than some departments. Some departments work um, 24-hour shifts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we work a 10-hour shift. We start at 8. We, st- we, we end at 6. We get to go home and enjoy our beds. That's nice. Um, so, so yeah, we're always yeah. pretty refreshed when we come back in for our uh, for our next shift. That's good. I would think that being that you do move around so much, you kind of do need to be refreshed, or you need to be on your toes a little. Because that that sounds like a, that would add an additional stress that you're not going to like the same place. You don't have a routine necessarily, well, so it could get a little stressful. The 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 added layer to that is. Uh, your area of responsibility we have we have approximately 140 square miles that we service and right now there are 10 stations soon to be 11 okay. and within that 140 with, yes oh, within okay. within within that um that boundary and each of those stations services a defined response area and some of the areas overlap um, that just helps us to make sure that when somebody does call 911, we can get there right. within within a short amount of time. And if we're actually on another call, then that other station can get their get their engine there within a within within a short amount of time. So if some of our areas are busier than others, so mm-hmm. one of the things that one of the other things that we do is if that volume is picking up, we will go and okay. and inject ourselves in there right. and help and help run some calls. Gotcha. Gotcha. And as captain, um, so you said we, so is that your crew? Correct. Like the crew on your truck? Yeah. And you said four guys? Yeah. yeah. Including so you or four guys under you? Four guys total. Okay. So we have, mm-hmm. so I have a driver, driver okay. operator who holds the rank of engineer. It, the, the, the the vernacular for fire service, driver, operator, engineer, they're, they're, they're used interchangeably. Okay. Uh, but then we also have a paramedic firefighter and an EMT firefighter. We are okay. all we are all at a, at the basic right, level right. Uh, EMTs, but one of us holds an extra certification. Gotcha. Just like the specialist sort of. Right. Level, so yeah. it, that basically just defines some 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 additional skills that they're able to provide, some additional medications mm-hmm. and treatments and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff when somebody calls for a medical emergency. Okay. Like a roving pack of ninjas. That's what I like to think about. <laughs> a roving like, pack of ninjas. Yeah. I mean, you got a fire truck. I mean, that's pretty awesome just to have. Like, imagine if, you know, the zombie apocalypse happened and you guys were just rolling around on a fire truck. That'd be pretty safe. That'd <laughs> we, be pretty good. We've got a lot of toys on our truck. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, you sure. do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of water. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is crucial as well in the uh, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. world. <laughs> it's non-potable waters, so you don't want to drink. Oh, okay. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's that's true. Why would it need to be? Right. <laughs> You're just putting out a fire. Yeah. Um, so, what is our topic today? Okay. So, well, first, follow us at All Bad Things Pod, Insta, Twitter, and Gmail dot com, and Facebook. We're terrible at promoting ourselves, but anyway, that. All that. So, yes, I gave some pretty heavy hints to you guys regarding the topic. Drum roll, please. Well, first of all, considering we have a a fire captain on board today, we're not talking about, like, 
an epidemic or a flood or something, even though that doesn't necessarily mean you don't respond exactly. to Correct. very Pretty sure things. you guys respond to floods. We would be, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. we would have that initial response and then right. it, would, it would escalate and the resources would come in. We would then be a part of a, right. you know, like a whole emergency operation. So, But pretty clearly I picked a fire. Okay. So, and predictably. And then I also gave a hint this morning that um, we ha- on, we're having on, a... On Twiddle? <laughs> no, no, no. This morning while we were talking. Oh, that's right. That uh, we were discussing Vegas. Yeah. And I said, and James has been to Vegas many times, it sounds like. So... I, I like Vegas. <laughs> Vegas is fun. <laughs> well, then. A fire in Vegas it is. This nice. is the story. Well, not nice. I mean, I, I mean that in the most horrible way possible. <laughs> this is the story of the MGM Grand Fire. I think I've heard of this. Have you? I think so. Is this like a late 80s? This uh, was... 80, but... 80, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. Does there, it sound familiar to you, James, at all? I was thinking of a more recent one. It might have been the, the I'm Mirage. Sure there's been so many more. Yeah, where it just kind of toasted. A lot oh of no, it was the Bellagio. Oh. It was it was above. So the so the Bellagio fire happened. It wasn't actually in the. Um, don't the, don't say too much because we could cover it one day. Oh, all right. <laughs> we'll have you back. <laughs> yes. Well, Next would, time you're in town. Yeah, I would say that the the Bellagio fire happened within the last. Anybody here can Google it, but correct me if I'm wrong. It, within, it's within the last five years or so. Okay, so it's more recent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen like. A current affair on this, or okay, something some like that. One of those shows, sixty minutes up. or something. Like yeah. That. Okay. Yes. So on November twenty first, nineteen eighty, a fire at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in technically Paradise, Nevada. We'll talk about that. Killed eighty five people oh. and injured an additional six hundred twenty seven. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. Nope. Not good at all. Not good. So, um, have to shout out the suggestor of this episode, oh. our live tweeter, Emily. Oh, okay. This is an Emily suggestion. So I saw that, and James, you live in the Southwest, so yes. I was like, okay, fire in the Southwest, bingo. So that seemed to fall in line. We uh, hope you've made it through the worst parts of the polar vor- vortex, <laughs> Emily. Oh, that's is, true, yeah, yes. she's in North Dakota, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, South, or South Dakota, Dakota, I believe. She's in, you can... Yes. A Dakota. <laughs> Sorry if I'm making a Dakota joke, but you can just have one. You know, <laughs> is there really a need the for state two? Of Dakota. I mean, I think the two of them combined don't even have a million people. So <laughs> I have been to South Dakota. Went to the Badlands. Uh, Dakota. Very cool. A guy I graduated high school with was stationed in Minot, which I think is in North Dakota. Anyway, Emily will know. Mm-hmm. Emily's very smart. She knows many things. Sorry, the only Badlands I know is on AMC. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. There's a, a show called Badlands, that's right. right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, also, I have many pictures today. <laughs> so, pictures which are good. Which is so great for a podcast. Yes. Anyway. We're, we're holding them up right now. Can you see them? <laughs> All right. So, per use, we're going to start with the setting of this disaster, a short history Short modern history of Las Vegas, but anyway. That's kind of what it is, a yeah. short modern history of yeah. that city. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, so Thanks, Mob. Thanks, Mob, by the way. <laughs> well, basically, yes, and we're going to get into that a little bit. So And the Hoover Dam. Yes, we're going to get into that a little <laughs> oh, okay. bit. So the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Paradise, Nevada is the setting of this. Um, okay, show of hands, Nevada versus Nevada, who says what? I Las, I've always Las, said Las Vegas, Nevada. So Nevada, I've always yeah. said Nevada and Colorado. What do you say, James? 
I, I'm probably guilty of using both, but I'll say Nevada. Okay. Is yeah. that what most people in the Southwest say? Uh-huh. I've heard that people in Nevada say Nevada. Well, if we're making reference to Vegas, we just say Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. People Fair know enough. where it it's is. Its own, yeah. It's its own state, basically, oh, yeah, I've right? Heard, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, now, the hotel is still there. It's just not the current MGM Grand Hotel, because there is an MGM Grand Hotel. Mm-hmm. Right. It's now Bally's. Las Vegas is where this happened. Um, So, again, because we do have some international listeners, don't want to be, like, super presumptuous that everybody knows what Nevada is. Nevada is a state in the United States in the southwestern part of the of the u.s it and vegas is in the extreme southern part of this sort of weirdly triangular flat top sort of shaped state um and borders california and arizona at the far southern it's a silly quadrilateral it uh yeah yeah um and so this hotel was in paradise which is technically an unincorporated town, but it is literally like right next to Vegas, Las Vegas. And most of the Las Vegas Strip, the famous Las Vegas Strip, is actually in paradise. I I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no clue. Huh. As is the McCarran International Airport. So the Vegas Airport is also in paradise, technically. Uh, so the, the history of Vegas is pretty interesting, um, and we're not going to get into all of it. (laughs) Short, short history. That's for, uh, that, that is for a true crime, uh, podcast. Yes, it gets into that. To get into the history Mm -hmm. of Las Vegas. And you you were right, David, the, the kind of the beginning of sort of the modern era of Vegas was the Hoover Dam, Mm -hmm. the building of the Hoover Dam in what year? I wanna say. Or when did it I wanna say it started in nineteen. I don't have thir- a start date. Okay, I think it started in nineteen thirty-two, and I wanna say it was finished in thirty-seven. It was finished in thirty-one. Oh well, I was way fucked up. <laughs> you had the thirty right. Samsonite. <laughs> um, and you also know that that's a bit of a disaster itself. The construction of the Hoover oh, Dam. Oh yeah. Do you know how many people died during the construction of the Hoover Dam? I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna do a round figure of. Uh, a thousand on that one. A hundred twelve. Damn it! I always go. <laughs> I always go so above or so below. Sometimes, and sometimes you do. But anyway, also I should have put a minimum on that. Minimum a hundred. <laughs> so I'm right. Okay. Also, in 1931, gambling was legalized in Nevada. So, or Nevada or Vegas? I think it was Nevada. I think it was the entire state. So anyway, so the Vegas Strip came into being in 1941 when. El Rancho Vegas opened its first resort. I do not know if it's still there. Um, The post-World War II era saw a big boom, and that's when the Strip expanded. Uh, Paradise was created as an unincorporated town in the late late 1950, uh, and the first town board consisted of five casino owners. (laughs) I'll bet. Chaired by Gus Greenbaum of the Flamingo Hotel, who was a business associate of... Meyer Lansky oh, and Bugsy Siegel. Oh, those two. Hey, what do you oh, say? Yeah. What am I? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the first guy, he doesn't sound like a criminal at all either. Meyer Lansky? Meyer no, no, Lansky's no, 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 the a... very first guy. Oh, Gus Greenbaum. Yeah, that's also a criminal sounding name. <laughs> Here's a... Actually, um, it's, it sounds like a criminal's lawyer. Uh, yeah. Gus Greenbaum. Well, and, and Lansky... Or accountant. Yeah. Yes, that's what they uh, that's what they called Lansky, I think, the accountant of the mob. Oh. I think. 
Wasn't that him? Anyway. Um, so Lansky and Lucky Luciano were basically like the godfathers of the modern mob. So um, now here's an interesting side story. So Gus Greenbaum, who uh, chaired the board of uh, Paradise when it first started, was murdered in his home as well as his wife. He was nearly decapitated by a butcher knife. Sounds about right. So, yeah. Uh, moral of the story, don't associate with the mob. No. <laughs> if at all possible. So a lot of the initial, the money that went into the initial building up of uh, modern-day Vegas came from the American, aside from the mob, the American National Insurance Company, which was based in Galveston, Texas, which we learned in our um, her. Galveston Hurricane, the Great Galveston Hurricane, mm-hmm. was its own mecca of gambling and vice for yes, a while. Was. Yes, Until it kind of got wiped out by the hurricane. Until a hurricane thing. wiped all that away, yeah. quite literally. So in 1959, the famous Welcome to Las Vegas sign was built. Um, in 66, Caesar's Palace was established. And during this time, in 1963, the Three Coins Motel opened on a 43... I said building site, acre site on the Strip. It became the Bonanza Hotel and Casino in 1967, and then the imaginatively named New Bonanza Hotel and Casino. And then in 1972, construction began, and from what I could tell, this wasn't a complete like demolition of the previous New Bonanza Hotel and Casino, but like additions to, or around, or on top of, I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, um... The construction began for the resort to become the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino under owner Kirkor Kirk Kirkorian. So I'm not even going to try. Why would you do that his to name, your child? His name was Kirkor Kirkorian, and he went by Kirk. <laughs> There's just too many K's. It'd be fun if he went by Tom. <laughs> Bob. Bob. Call me Tom. Bill. Um, but he was the majority owner of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, the MGM. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the MGM movie studio. I forgot so. that that's what that stood for. Yeah, and it was um, the also overseeing some of the building was MGM chairman Fred Benninger, or Benninger, I don't know how it's pronounced. So, Kerkorian was also known as the, quote, father of the mega resort. Uh, he had already built Vegas's largest hotel up to that point, the International Hotel, which is now the Westgate. Something, something. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's usually the first ho- first one you see you as you're rolling up with 15, and it's on the left side. Okay. Well, that was been once. there quite a few times, but not to that one. <laughs> I wouldn't know that. You you will soon. I guess. Oh, yeah. Yes. Maybe we hope. To Vegas. Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> So the hotel cost, and this is 1972 money, which I did translate, um, $106 million to build. Adjusted for inflation in today's dollars. Do you want to uh, try? Can I take a guess? Yeah, you can take I'm a gonna guess. I'm going to go $750 million. <laughs> $576 million. That's what I said. I want to be that contractor. <laughs> I want to be your contractor right now. That's what I said the first time was the right thing. But that was still over a half a billion dollars. Oh, like, that's yeah. crazy. But they're going to make all that back pretty soon. Like, within a couple of years. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. And herein begins the um, bad omens or the, uh, oh, yeah, here's where this is headed of this story. So. During construction, concerns were raised by the fire marshal 
and by an engineering uh, firm that the hotel owners actually contracted themselves for loss mitigation and risk assessment purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, they said, you need fire sprinklers Mm -hmm. everywhere in this building. Um, Benninger, the chairman, uh, rejected this idea. And we're going to get into this in a minute. But he wasn't willing to shell out the additional money, which would have been $192,000 then, roughly a million dollars today. Um, they brought the issue to the Clark County Building Department and the director, John Piscioto, John, uh, determined that the current building codes did not apply to the hotel and casino so that these sprinklers were not a requirement of the building code because the code had an exception for buildings occupied 24 hours a day. The idea was if a fire started, oh, someone will notice it because people are around all the time. They'll be able to grab a fire extinguisher and put it out. That was the 1972 logic of this fire. We're just going to assume everybody is a fireman, so we don't need to worry about it. So, um... They don't need equipment or nothing. <laughs> just they'll, just, they'll know what to do just like that. <laughs> and, and respond appropriately. Yeah. yeah. So um, they did. There were some sprinklers installed in the areas that weren't specifically going to be operating twenty four seven because this was an enormous building, which we'll get in, into in a minute. But like, if a, a restaurant wasn't open twenty four seven and had closing hours, it would have sprinklers in it because it wasn't operating twenty four seven. So it was like in a couple of places, um, but not in the rooms, not in the guest part of the hotel. So now this code also stipulated that the fire code, the building code, instead of smoke detectors put in each room, like each guest room, they could be put in the ventilation system. That's a brilliant idea. Uh Uh-huh, which, uh, and and the idea was that that was a compromise so that hotels didn't have to feel like they're, oh, there's this ugly thing in the room. It was for aesthetic purposes, basically. Now we're all used to seeing sprinklers and uh, fire detectors, smoke detectors, in every room. Aesthetically, though, I wish they would go away. <laughs> Just put them in the ventilation system. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't want to feel safe. Now, at all. they were supposed to do this at the Grand, and they said they were going to. They never did. And this is also... We can see where this is all headed pretty yep. easily. Yeah. Um, so, uh, our Kirker Kerkorian... <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of, oh, what was it, a fish called Wanda? Ken? Anyway, um, he... For all you fish called Wanda fans out there. (laughs) Wow. That was, that was, that was digging one up. (laughs) I'm a Monty Python fan, and it included John Cleese and Michael Uh, Palin. I'm not sure if I ever saw that movie. You never saw a fish called Wanda? I don't think I ever have. It was funny. It's burned from my memory. It's burned. I know it has, uh, (laughs) Kevin Klein. Yeah. Yeah. John Cleese, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis, and uh, Michael Palin of Monty Python. I think he might be my favorite Monty Pythoner. He's mine as well. You don't like Monty Python. That's true. (laughs) So he's my most least favorite. Okay. Or my least (laughs) least least favorite. Least most favorite. I don't know. No, your most least favorite. (laughs) No, your least least favorite. I think so. (laughs) Anyway. So, um... So a little, a little reached... levity before we start talking about 85 people. Oh, this is a grim one, too. Yeah. Grim, 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 grim. 
So it, the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino ended up becoming the largest hotel in the world at the time. So Kikorian, uh <laughs> reached another milestone there. I wonder if he liked the band The The. The The. <laughs> or and, and, and. And, and, and. Uh, so the hotel had 2,084 guest rooms, a movie theater, two show stages, five restaurants, and a live high-lie venue for live gambling. So... The hotel opened for business on December 5th, 1973. The grand opening followed on December 23rd, and the entertainer for the evening, and frequently thereafter, was old pink eyes himself, Dean Martin. <laughs> old school Vegas. I thought pink you were eyes, gonna, blue eyes. <laughs> I, thought you were, I honestly thought you were going to say Elvis. In 73? Yeah. When was Fat Elvis era? The, right, right about that time, because okay. I know he died the year I was born. And he was oh, fat. Okay. He was fat Elvis for a couple of years. Fat well, Elvis. Fat Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> fat Elvis. How is that uh, aviator treating you? Pretty good. <laughs> um, no, have you never? Because I've watched a lot of classic television. Never heard him referred to as old pink eyes. Do you get the joke there? He was a known like alcoholic, bad alcoholic. I mean, they all were back then, like all those Rat think, Pack guys. I think, I think all men in general were back then. Well, yeah. Like 90% of them. It's yeah. part of being a man. <laughs> you weren't a man if you didn't, didn't drink. Being drunk yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. So the hotel was a huge success, what with Dean Martin and everything. Sure. It attracted a lot of visitors, as well as the top talent of the day, including Joan Rivers, oh. The Carpenters, <laughs> And Barry Manilow. Wow. Yes. What also, a t- what, a, what a ticket. Do you what remember? A bill. Do you remember? Um, I mean, not like personally, but hearing about the Dean Martin roasts. Oh, I've seen some. The, the, fri- I've the seen Friars Club. I've seen them on uh, YouTube and stuff. Recorded here, MGM Grand Hotel. In this hotel is where they recorded it. It's those. It is kind of funny, in a in a strange way, watching it because these are all these people on stage making fun of themselves, our millionaire. Just we can at that time you could probably literally do whatever you wanted in Hollywood. There's not cameras all over the place, but there was something funny about like you could tell that they were all friends. There was just something funny about them. Just you could Tearing tell into each other, and you could tell they're all fucking hammered and they're all just chain smoking mm-hmm. like because you could do that in 1973 on television, and there was just and something, inside a hotel. <laughs> yeah, and there's just there was something really hilarious about that because you can tell they're just they're they're just trying to one up each other all the time. On a on a sad note, I would say that Barry Manilow was still, to this day, I believe, still performing in Vegas. He probably oh, is. Yeah. So he came back. It. He was there. He was gone, and then he came back. Why for like not? one of those, like one of those engagements or whatever, where you sign the and, uh, artist sign up. They were they were like Barry. We'll give you a new face, <laughs> another one, another. <laughs> if you three years, if you come back, yeah. And a tiger, too. We'll throw in a tiger. So here's a picture of the original MGM Grand Hotel and Casino. Oh, yeah. Just uh, paint it blue and it's the Bally's. That oh, was the okay. largest hotel. Wow. That has certainly been eclipsed, I don't know, maybe yeah. a million times since then. And uh, Roger Miller and Pat Cooper. Of course. And the Walkers are performing. Why wouldn't they be? Fabian. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, that was I, after Fabian's, like... Way after. I actually know who that is. Fabian. He was, like, a 60s star. Like, not Like, mid-60s, yeah. like, teen heartthrob. Yes. And yeah, yeah, he was. Like a, yes. a beach blanket bingo, kind of. Yeah. It's Fabian. Fabian, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so now we're getting into the fire. I'm really, I, I'm really just shocked that this that was, was the, the largest hotel in the world at one time. Like it, for a while, yeah, for I, several years. It looks, it, it's literally nothing today. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. People talk about people with uh, ambitions. They've gone way past that. It was advertising as it was advertised as having more square footage than the Empire State Building. It was over two million square feet. So, or well, about I mean, two that's, million square that's feet. That's why Fabian's showing up. <laughs> yeah, and Dean Martin. Um, so yeah, James, all the red is things I'm going to ask you about. Sure, no problem. <laughs> so, like you said, I'll do my best. On Friday, November 21st, 1980, this was the Friday before Thanksgiving, so like a week before Thanksgiving, about 5,000 people were inside this hotel, the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino, when about 7.13 a.m. local time, so this actually happened at as good of a time as it could because it was early morning for Vegas, so it wasn't as packed as it would have been on, say, a Friday night and or something. And most people are already up because they've already been pumping pumping those 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 rooms full of oxygen. Oh. <laughs> so, so they say. I can never sleep when I'm in Vegas. Okay. So it doesn't work for you? It doesn't work. So a hotel employee named Tim Connor was heading to, like, another part of the hotel, but took a shortcut through a restaurant on the ground floor called The Deli. He saw a flickering light, so he went to go investigate to see what it was and saw an entire wall of flames. Mm. This is like, no, this is a full-blown fire. So there was a phone on the wall in the restaurant, and he used it to, rotary, probably, to call the hotel security and tell them that there was a fire in the deli. Hopefully he had to just do one zero for that. Like right, yeah, because it's Zero, just, operator, like, yeah. Operator, give me the security app. I hope he didn't have to do it more than once. Moments later, he was knocked to the ground by a wave of heat and smoke and barely made it out of the restaurant before it was too late. He did survive. Oh, but, okay. Um, but yeah, it was a close call for him. So the MGM security called the Clark County Fire Department at 7.17 a.m., and within two minutes, the first fire engine arrived on site. Apparently, there was a fire stationed directly across the street from the hotel. Now, within two minutes is in red, and that is because that seems really quick to me, although if they were across the street, that makes sense. What's in... I guess you can't you can't say an average time that it takes like a, an emergency crew to respond. How is a response time measured? So so you got you got to take the time in context to to the response. So back then the 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 equipment that they that right. they had to put on like we 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 doff we don all of our gear before we get in the truck. Um, we have our our SCBAs, which is which is basically our backpacks of air, um, that we that we put on before we actually make entry into into a what they call an ideal H or um, an area that is immediately dangerous to life and health. Okay. And so, th- with it being across the street, if it was if it was uh, if it was us being that close, from when the call was taken to where we're actually rolling would be somewhere between ninety seconds to two minutes. Okay. And if it's right across the street, hey, we're we're talking about thirty seconds to get there, looking at you know, looking at where the fire hydrants are at, kind of, you know, me taking my um my walk around. In this case that that building's gonna be a little too big, so yeah. we, we call it a three sixty where 
we take a look at the entire building, trying to locate where the fire may be, looking at all the factors yeah. um, that are critical to the to the to the operation that are going to make it safe for us or make it dangerous to us. Mm-hmm. Before and then we and then we go ahead and make our plan of action and go after it. So we would we would probably be there in four minutes. I would say would be a, a is a, a good response. Is a good, time. It would be a good response time for that for that type of proximity. Where we're at right now, we we call these the, uh, demand zones, where we have to respond uh, to those emer- emergencies within within under eight minutes. Okay, so you do have like a um, a goal time. Oh, absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. that makes sense. That makes we, sense. We we have a turnout uh, turnout time standard where when a call comes in, the magic voice in our in the, in the <laughs> ceiling says it's time to go. You have to go to this place yeah. for this reason. Uh, for EMS calls, it's for it's a minute. Uh, for fire calls, it's a minute and a half to get out of the to, yeah. To we're get rolling. In, okay, we're yeah. we're, de- mm-hmm. we're decked out in the truck, rolling. Gotcha. Okay. It always makes me think of uh, the Sex in the City episode. Where oh yes. Samantha was with the firefighter <laughs> in the fire station and wearing his outfit, and yeah. all of a sudden, well, a, wearing parts of his outfit. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, they got a call, and she's the, the firefighter's like. Get out of my outfit. And she's like, sl- he's like, no. Yeah. He's like, there's a fire lady. <laughs> I, I remember that too. And I remember like thinking she was so like offended, but it's like, what the fuck? Like, this is a fire. We don't give a shit if you're naked. Like, anyway. Yes. That, anyway. So. For all you sex in the city fans out there. <laughs> That was that was for you. I'm Samantha. I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a Charlotte. <laughs> All right. Um. So 7:17 a.m. Call came into the fire department. Two minutes later, 7:19 a.m. The um, Clark County Fire Department was at the scene. And that actually would, I think, at the time would be a direct call to the station. Mm. Whereas mm-hmm. nowadays it goes to a central dispatch. A dispatch yeah. yeah. Okay, so they would have, like, it makes sense if the MGM Grand was like, there's a fire station across the street that they have the number to the fire station across the street, like, as an emergency preparedness Back thing. then, it would make okay. sense to just have <laughs> that contact info and call them yeah. directly. Yeah, but, na- like, in, in modern times, all uh, all calls go through 911. Right, through and, dis- and that's dispatch. where and that's where it, it seems, It's it, I know for people it seems like a really long time to actually get people rolling but it's important yeah. that that they that that the dispatchers take the you know the the most important information so they can send the best kind of response. Right, right, right. that makes sense. That that does make sense. So a few minutes later at 7:22 a.m. and this is in red, a third alarm was called in. Can you explain third alarm? Well, apparently they they bypassed the second alarm. Well, either that or I just didn't see it in the research. Okay. It's very possible they called in a second alarm and then a third alarm. But well, what does that mean? Well, that 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 um, that talks to the number of resources that, that get sent. Okay. So for us, a initial first alarm assignment will be four suppression units. So it'll either be three fire trucks and a ladder truck. Oh, okay. Or four four fire trucks. You also have a battalion chief that responds and a okay. safety officer. For our for our department, we have EMS captains who respond mm-hmm. as ECs, and their their job is to basically 
walk around and make sure things are safe. Okay. So when you get to a second alarm, there's an additional gotcha a uh, wave response. of support. Exactly. Okay. So you get and, and it and it differs also in the in the type of construction. So if it's okay. a if it's a house fire, gotcha. Then you'll get you'll get these. If it's a commercial fire mm-hmm. where you got a um you know a, a large building that's on fire, a commercial for us will be two ladder trucks. Okay. And three fire trucks. Okay. So we go to a five-unit response rather than a four. Okay. All right. And then a third alarm, which is it's bring just, another wave it's of bring, people. It's bring more waves. And some And, you know, for, for some departments, usually the first alarm is their, is their response. Okay. And then when they call the second, if they have any type of... Um, bordering agencies, those those yeah. they usually mm-hmm. tend to come in a little bit later. Gotcha, that makes sense because we do we do talk about that here too. So by seven twenty five a.m., the whole casino and the west entrance of the hotel were this is in red again completely involved. Okay, what does that mean if something is completely involved in a fire? When it's completely involved, that means all of the not only the so they 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 have two two terms. It's called live load and dead load. Okay. Your dead load is the structure itself, things that are attached to the building. Your live load is, it's not necessarily people, but it's the furnishings, it's the okay. carpet. Okay, the it's, stuff, that, whatever's not nailed down, basically. Right, kind of and, thing, so, yeah. and so when it says it's fully involved, that means everything that's there is the now The structure, is now the stuff, fire. the people, everything. Right, yeah. so we, we define... We define um, these kind of fires in a couple different ways where it's either a room and contents fire where mm-hmm. it's 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 still in the growth kind of stage where it's it's confined to a like a room okay. or, or or just one wing right okay and then you get to the full-on structure fire where it's actually into the the bones of the building yeah and and nowadays you can really see that in the in the kind of smoke that you see oh okay oh. okay well, that's interesting. Um, so the police called in rescue helicopters because remember this is a high rise fire too. Right. This is uh, twenty six stories. So, um, and additional support was provided. Like you said, you're talking about like bringing in support from other other departments from the North Las Vegas Fire Department, the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, and the Henderson Fire Department, as well as helicopters from Nellis Air Force Base. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, in northeast Las Vegas. So uh, the fire was very quick moving, although maybe you can speak to this. Sure. It was moving at an estimated speed of 15 to 19 feet per second. And so what what she... doesn't sound good at all. No, No. I mean, you can imagine 15 (laughs) feet in in a second. And you you got to imagine, again, Again, the the turn of the century, we started looking at um, different types of fuels, right? We beforehand we were looking at what we call legacy fuels, things that were made of like real like wood, okay. cotton, mm-hmm. like like stuff that right. we could actually and anybody can anybody can can Google legacy versus modern fuels and see mm-hmm. what the fight the difference is in those. Okay, so the modern fuels are all petroleum based. Uh, and plastics and plastics, stuff. Plastics, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. So so what happens with that is they they burn at a lower temperature, they burn hotter, faster, mm-hmm. and they put out a lot more. Okay. And so and so that really attributes to that fire spread rapidly. So okay. so things start to off gas. What I mean by off gas is like the first thing they give off is their water content. Uh-huh. After that then they start to they start to pyrolyze. I know I'm throwing out a bunch of That's okay. Bunch of bunch of nerd fire <laughs> fire terms, but it starts to pyrolyze and it's the actual gas 
coming off of that right. that ignites. The petroleum. And, right. It's the breakdown. It's just of, the, yeah. the the breakdown of the solid into a gas and the gas ignites. Okay. Well, then that makes sense here because the next thing I was going to say is that wallpaper, PVC pipes, glue, plastic mirrors. Basically, this place was meant, made to, and built to look very fancy, but instead of like, oh yes, this is a solid wood chair with, you know, leather seat or whatever, it was, no, this is plastic that's meant to look like wood and right. pleather and like stuffing inside of it and that sort of thing. In other words, something Donald Trump would do. <laughs> well. well. Well, Dave and I had talked earlier about if you look at any of the, the newer houses being built uh-huh. and you look at what looks like plywood, it's not plywood. It's uh-huh. it's called Oriented Strand Board. It's OSB. Okay. That stuff is just wood chips and scraps that is uh-huh. pressed together and glued. Like a composite board right. sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. And so and so yeah, when it's when it's all together like that in that form, it's it it does hold some structure to it. Mm-hmm. But once the heat hits it, yeah, forget it just it. disintegrates. Forget it, it's yeah. done. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And another thing that happened in this fire, um, well, first of all, uh, except for a few spots, which we will get to, no sprinklers are stopping this. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially before it got to the point where it was like tearing through it 19 feet per second or whatever. But the ceiling tiles inside the casino had been installed using an adhesive that was so flammable. It had been banned in the years between when the construction took place and the fire. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So it was just um, uh, one of these... Uh, pile worse things onto onto worse things. It's the Swiss cheese model. It's like all these holes holes are Mm -hmm. lining up and then boom. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So the fire captain Rex Smith said at one point... That's a sweet firefighter name, by the way. Rex Smith. Yeah, just call me Rex. And and he was in... So there's a a YouTube video that's like a super old... um, like you said, kind of current affairs sort of program about this, that literally the YouTube video starts with you seeing the like the SLP in the corner because it's somebody pushing in a, <laughs> yes. a cassette. Yes. <laughs> and the, and the uh, late 70s, early 80s news type music. Then. Yeah, yeah, it was very much like that. It was, yeah. it, it was, I think it was in the, yeah, it was cheese, obviously in the 80s. Cheese-tastic. But, um, but Rex Smith was like, he was in his cash clothes. He wasn't like decked out like a fireman, but he had like a, he almost looked like a professor. He had a beard, like a neatly trimmed beard. He, he was very cool. And he said, quote, when we reached halfway across the casino, we were met by a flame, which was rolling down from the ceiling and progressed down toward the floor as it was coming toward us, end quote. And so this part, I have two terms specifically that I want to address. Sure. Eventually, due to a backdraft, a massive fireball moved through the casino and blew out the main entrance onto the strip. Backdraft, fireball. Well, not the liquor. Not the liquor. Okay. <laughs> fireball. I like fireball. So, um, so a backdraft is is a is a phenomenon that that happens. <sighs> This description doesn't necessarily fit the the, okay. defi- the current definition of what a backdraft okay. is. Okay. Uh huh. Um, but the speed and velocity at which the fire progressed mm-hmm. could have given that type of effect. Okay. So a backdraft tends to happen where the the fire itself has been held in check either because it ran out of fuel mm-hmm. or it ran out of oxygen. Okay. Yep. 
And and so so we, we have these terms now called fuel limited or oxygen limited fires. And the backdraft happens when there's a sudden infusion of that oh, of that okay. air. Uh-huh. And so and so once that smoke gets a good mixture of that oxygen, uh-huh. it reaches a nice he- a nice little balance where then if there is a a spark somewhere, mm-hmm. if there is a flame somewhere, mm-hmm. it, it then has what's called a piloted ignition. Okay, like an explosion, basically. So, like when you when you, if you have mm-hmm. a, if you have yep. a gas yep. stove mm-hmm. and you and you know the gas tick, light tick, and, then, tick, and then there tick, you go, yeah, that that happens. Okay. And so that just that force, yeah. of of that of all of that happening uh-huh. blows everything out. And okay. then that fireball, yes. Okay, so a, a fireball is really just a massive wall of flame. It's a ma- it, it, that being... in that case it was just a manifestation of that of that event. Okay, so it was rolling, um, it. Again, not 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 being there. Sure, yeah. Um, we promise we won't hold this against it you. It could have, yeah. So <laughs> because you weren't there people, and didn't know exactly. People can think that people can think that when they see the fireball exploding, it, it really what it is. It's it's the gases. It's, it's the okay. gases that's igniting. It's the smoke, because smoke is is unburnt. It's it's what we call oh. incomplete combustion, and then oh. once it goes, smoke can burn. So I did not know that. Yeah. So smoke is we for in just the, just in case it wasn't scary enough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So smoke can kill you a couple different ways, right? It right. Can suffocate you, in, yeah. and then it could actually ignite and burn the crap out. Wow. Jesus okay. I, didn't, I guess I didn't so realize that. So smoke is flammable. Smoke bad. Smoke yeah. is really smoke bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so once it once that it could it could actually have been the smoke igniting to the extent where it as it was pushing out it mm-hmm. smoke. Smoke is very volatile okay. during fire. We look at its volume, its velocity, its density, its color to kind of determine what kind of fire that we have. Right. And if we've got angry, dark, just pulsating smoke that's just coming out with high velocity, yeah. as soon as that thing ignites, there you could you could see it as a fireball. Oh, okay. Right? Uh-huh. So that, that could have Maybe been something what, yeah. that, that happened there. Yeah. Okay. And just in case you couldn't exactly get that description going in your head for you know some uh, theater of mind, get the movie Backdraft. Uh, there's an entire Starring movie about this. One of the Baldwins. I can't remember which one. Starring a it Baldwin. Wasn't, it wasn't it's, Alec. It's Star- not Alec. It's not Stephen. Billy. I think it is Billy. It is William. Yeah, very yep. young. William Q. Yes. Baldwin. Anyway, starring not Alec Baldwin, just one of the other ones. <laughs> one def- of the one of the inferior Baldwins. And uh, I, I think like ten backdrafts happened in that movie because why wouldn't they? <laughs> well, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. It became a stage play at one point, I believe. I don't know how Did they really? carried that off, but anyway. Um, so. The this backdraft, this massive release of flame. Sure. Okay. Maybe, um, maybe we can start with that for our all bad movies. Backdraft. backdraft. There you go. Um, it traveled across the entire casino, which was estimated to be the size of three football fields. Jesus. In twenty seconds, it just ripped through it Holy and shit. that killed 18 people so of the 85 18 people died in the casino from that so now so remember i said there was about 5000 people mm-hmm. inside this hotel and casino so there was a lot of people to get out of this building a massive evacuation effort um 
Now, some people were actually able to, depending on where they were, like if they were on the ground floor and not in the casino and restaurant area, they literally could just walk out the door and, and were able to save themselves, just, just walk off on their own accord. Um, fire ladders were able to rescue some people from up to the ninth floor. Hero were, time right there. <laughs> Hero time. Is that the sort of like... Put your capes on, boys. <laughs> we're about to go rescue people. Nice. I got, I got, I got all kinds of respect for truckies. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I was one. So, um, construction workers on site were using their own lift equipment to to help get people down too. um, hundreds of people, it's estimated up to a thousand people made it onto the roof and were evacuated by helicopters. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was, you know, due to the, the police, the Air Force support from Nellis, but there were some serious wrinkles in the evacuation too. So the firefighters did respond quickly. They were actually able to control and contain the fire um, from the fire from spreading throughout the entire hotel. By 7.50 a.m., so that's only about like 30 minutes after they arrived, the east sector of the fire was controlled. So what does controlled mean? Like, we've controlled the fire. So so we basically have what we call tactical priorities um, and some benchmarks that, that go along the way. Fire under control is okay. one. Okay. And so our, our first and foremost priority is, is life safety for people. Right. So, uh-huh. so all of these tasks kind of lead toward achieving that goal mm-hmm. where we want to make sure everybody's out. Right. Uh, we, we, search, we search everywhere and we call a, an all clear. That is, that is our life safety component. Okay. The under control means we've stopped the forward progress of the fire. Okay. And we're so it's hold- not spreading. Right. Okay. It, we don't have the fire completely out until right. we call loss stopped. Okay. So that means, like, fire under control means we've 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 stopped the forward pro- uh, forward progress. We're we're currently still in the extinguishing part of it. Right. Where we're 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 pulling drywall, we're pulling ceiling, we're mm-hmm. looking for hidden fires, we're performing what's called overhaul, and and once all of that is done, then we actually can can say. We we put the fire out completely. Right. We have stopped the loss okay. due to the fire. Is it kind of fun, like in a weird way, to be like destroying a building a little bit? We train <laughs> so much for such little time in in that regard. Uh, so so I mean I, I shared with you the last time I was here the mm-hmm. the fire the the restaurant fire. Yes, I, was I remember in. that. Yeah. Now that yeah. one felt that one felt like we were in there for only. Five minutes, eight okay. minutes at best. We were inside for almost twenty, and and we were there until the you know until the next morning. Right, you know, all, right. All, all kinds of resources, and and so everybody we we all train for that because that's yeah it's it's the one that amps you up the most. It's uh-huh. supposed to be the most fun, but the most <laughs> dangerous at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's the it's the cleanup and the get ready that. That takes the longest. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so all of that stuff, it can be just a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing, right? We want right, to make sure yes. that we, we we get there and we get the job done as soon as possible. Because if we were able to remove that hazard, mm-hmm. then we've improved the savability right. of that person who may be affected. Right, right. right. Okay. All right. Um, so that was 750. They they had the fi- the east sector sector of the fire controlled by 830. The main casino fire was controlled. So 
they had it under control. Um, so the fire itself was really just relegated to the casino and the restaurant area. Did not spread any farther than that. I mean, it was obviously very destructive where it was, right. but um, and it it did not spread to the the high rise portion, the towers, the guest rooms, um, and it never actually even made it past the second floor. The fire itself. That's really the good. Bad news is that the fire was not the biggest problem. Um, so all of the material that was burning created toxic fumes. Sure. Um, that were able to spread to the hotel th- tower through elevators, stairwells, and seismic joints. And, and the ventilation system. Yes, yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely, through the ventilation system. In fact, we'll get to something about the ventilation system. All these, all these teasers for the future. When we did the Cleveland Clinic fire, mm-hmm. the ventilation system is what spread the toxic fumes yes. so quickly and was what the main reason was for killing so many yep. people. Yep, yep. Now, the elevator doors per building code were supposed to seal completely. Now I say supposed to because, of course, they didn't. In some cases, the doors had gaps as large as three quarters of an inch. So there was some gapping there or gaping. Uh, So when waves of heat near 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit... That sounds very hot. That's really hot. Yes. <laughs> Roughly like 5,500 degrees centigrade entered into the elevator shafts. It melted the elevator cables and the cars sure. literally just oh, fell man. into the basement, which is horrifying. That killed five people. I that was just going to say, please tell me there was no. Oh. Five people. Yeah. One car didn't fall. It got stuck on the 20th floor and then all four occupants died of asphyxiation. Oh. So... No sprinklers, right? Um, remember, there was also supposed to be those smoke detectors in the ventilation system. So there's there's no smoke detectors. And there's no fire alarms. <laughs> so people up in the tower, you know, like uh, on the 26th floor or the, or the 15th floor or whatever, this is all going on however many floors below them. They're literally not aware that this is going on at this point. May I make a initially? May I make a quick political statement? I swear to God, it's not okay. going to be. It's not going to be bad. Is this going to be about regulation? Uh, a little bit, yes. <laughs> I, and probably the audience knows I'm going there as well. Okay. Um, recently, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, introduced legislation to have a progressive tax rate of seventy percent. Past ten marginal tax rate. Marginal, yes. yes. Uh-huh. So, I see all over Twitter and all over Facebook, normal people just like us, defending people with ten million plus dollars. Let's go back to earlier in this episode where the guy didn't want to spend a million dollars. Essentially, it, it, it was at that point basically. on your safety. Yeah. So, think about that the next time you defend somebody. That has $10 million sitting around. Because if you have that much money, the odds are you're cutting on regulations too. Especially if you're a major business owner. End of rant. Well done. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. So basically, initially, all the guests at the hotel who were in the rooms, all they said they heard was like, well, we heard fire sirens like from the fire engines, but we figured they were going somewhere else. Like, they, they yeah, were traveling because away. The, because there was no alarm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the words of one guest, quote, there was just nothing to alert anybody. 
end quote. So no hotel personnel came to like knock on doors or anything like that. Again, I'm not sure how far into this we're talking. So like whether rescue crews were able to make their way up or, or what the deal was, but um, guests who tried to escape into the hallway found the hallway filled with smoke. Hmm. Like had to run back into their rooms. People talked about like shoving wet towels under the oh, door sure. yeah. um, to try and block the smoke. Um, people ran out onto their balconies and there is footage of this like screamed and waved trying to get attention. There was um, a, a portion of that, you know, current affairs thing where they showed like a, a firefighter calling up with a megaphone like, stay there, we're coming to get you, you know. Um, yes, some people did jump a la 9-11. Um, uh, for the most part, those who did were okay and probably at lower levels. One person wasn't so lucky. We'll get to them. Um, some people, like, found ropes or bed sheets or curtain poles or whatever sure. and, like, literally tried to escape. This was the better part of two hours. These people were, like, st- stuck. And so, obviously, some people got pretty um, inventive. Uh, obviously, yeah, this was pretty horrifying. Um, it took firefighters two hours to be able to make it up to the 19th floor and above. Again, 19 to, there's 26 stories. So in spite of the successful containment efforts, um, the smoke continued to spread after the fire, yep. you know. So, uh, so the rescue efforts continued for hours afterwards, rescue and recovery. Um, I'm a mad, do, do you, does that, is that a thing? <laughs> Recovery is in like you're finding the bodies too. Yeah. So I mean, so once we put, so basically, I approach every I approach every structure fire, every every commercial fire as one where, until proven otherwise, there's there are people in there. Uh huh. And the primary search, as as thorough as we want to be, as quickly as we have to do it, we may not be able to find somebody there. Right. And so we, we perform what's called a secondary search. And when we get the secondary, there's, 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 there's an opportunity for, for us to, you know, do a more thorough one. And, and there, there have been times where we will find somebody. Yeah. And they're they, too far gone, and it is just a body recovery. Yeah. So yeah. It, that does happen. Okay. Um, so eventually a total of 61 people on floors 19 to 24 um, died. So, wow. So, wow. It was, yeah, 18 people died, like, just in the actual fire fire. Right. And then it was the, and we'll get to the exact causes of death. Um, so, statistically, in this episode, you had a better chance if you were in the fire. Like, it's just. Well, no, all the people thing. who were in the casino died. <laughs> like, I don't know, from but the fire. some of them got out, I'm sure. Not in the casino, no. No, okay. No, because that's where the fireball ripped through in well, 20 yeah, seconds. Well, yeah, I guess. I yeah, you're not a... fucking getting out of that. No, office. no, not yeah. so much. It's not the movie Backdraft, where somebody <laughs> no. dives when, out of a window all of a sudden. When you see Kurt Russell walking out with, with, <laughs> with the child, yeah, and there's the just thing. like little fire here, little fire here, a little fire above him. That's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not realistic. Uh, thanks Hollywood for for fucking that visual up for people about what fire is. Here but, are fire pictures oh, wow. and firefighting pictures. Mm. So. That's a lot of smoke. 
Yeah. yeah, and the one thing you'll notice in one of the pictures, in here, like the top, the top picture here, where they're 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 ba they're basically battling the blaze from the outside. Mm -hmm. What you don't see is is their their SCVAs. So, um, depending on depending on what they're encountering, they may have to start there um, to to address the the, the, the biggest part of the fire. Um, but in some cases, in some cases, we're you know we're going either from burn to burn, from burn to unburn, or from unburn to burn to. It's just depending on what we're encountering. So, um, yeah, it looks like they did a lot. They were limited in 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 what they had, but they they did the best job that they could. And then I have something for you, James, because I sure. don't know what this is, but it looks very. Um, this was from the official report, I think. Yeah, this it looks is very schematic and yeah, official. So, so basically, this is a layout of the layout of the building and where the fire trucks were staged. Oh, okay. Um, so we have our, our usually our battalion chiefs are the ones that have these. These we have them on what are called incident action plans. It's a worksheet, tactical worksheet, where they can actually draw out a rough kind of a rough picture of what they have and put you know plug in the engines and the ladders and the resources of where they're at and what they're doing okay so they track and hold that that accountability because um keeping keeping uh keeping tabs on where everybody's at and yeah. what they're doing keeps helps to keep them safe as right. well so yeah, yeah they, of course all of these squiggly lines they're 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 the hoses that are coming yeah, off yeah that's and what i thought it looked like it yeah, yeah. like they're little hoses drawn on exactly. this uh floor plan yep basically yeah yep Okay. So, um, uh, as it turned out, most of the stairwell doors were locked, except for the ones at the top. To the, to to the, the roof. stairwells? Yeah, geez, we, we, no, well, I think once you're in the stairwell, yeah. you can't, like, you can't access all the floors, yeah, where, I think. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. I, I was a little unclear on this, and here's why. So that I, I heard that, but then also, apparently there were people who were in the stairwell who either were going in and were able to open it from the outside but not the inside, or going out. But either way, they realized that it locked upon closing, mm -hmm. so they actually propped open the door. Oh, that's really bad. Well, it was a good... But you can see where an LA person would be like, oh, what a good instinct. Like, help people be able to run out. But obviously what it did was it spread the smoke right. a lot faster. Yeah, what, what we know yeah. about what we know about smoke stratification mm -hmm. and the way it spreads. Like, we all know that heat rises. Right. And so what is, what is, what is in the smoke is, is superheated gases. So yeah. it wants to go up. Yep. And... Once it hits the top, it starts to mushroom down, yeah. and then if you give it another Find any way, escape route. Yeah. it's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna go there. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what happened. Um, so ironically, the few sprinklers that were in the hotel and on the ground floor um, uh, did did their job, functioned mm -hmm. properly, and helped with fire suppression. Um, also interesting to note, you know, I said that the places with the fire sprinklers were the places that were not open twenty four seven. And specifically, there were sprinklers in the money counting area. Oh, of course. You gotta, <laughs> how? So. Why would you not have them there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the in the words of uh, Joe Pesci in the movie Casino, what the hell do you think we're doing out here in the desert? <laughs> oh. <laughs> how did that fall flat? Well, you're you're. I was trying to like, what are, were you trying to convey here with this? You had a very intense look on your it's face. All because I was being Joe Pesci. 
Not, you don't do the accent. I can't. I, 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 it sounds terrible, so I'm not even going to try. All I got is the two utes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The two These utes. two utes. What exactly is a grit? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, after all that fun and joking, in the end... 85 people died. Uh, 75... Which is why we do the fun and joking exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. Like yeah. It's not fun to talk about this sometimes. 75 people died from smoke, a combination of smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide mm-hmm. poisoning. Carbon monoxide levels were between 25 and 66% at the scene. <sighs> That's no bueno. No. Four people died just from smoke inhalation. Three people died from burns and smoke inhalation. One person died just from burns, and one person died from a heart attack. And one person died from a massive head trauma when they jumped. Um, those all sound like horrible ways to go. Yeah. Um, an additional 588 civilians, seven hotel employees, and 14 firefighters were injured. So oh, shit. the local okay. hospitals were pretty wow. overwhelmed. Um, one thing I. I either didn't read it or I, I meant to um, put it in there and didn't. Um, when people were trying to escape or just even get fresh air in their rooms, if they didn't have a balcony or whatever, they were smashing out their windows. And in a couple of cases, like obviously <laughs> the panes were falling down onto the street and some firefighters did get hit by falling glass sure. because of that. So, All right. So now we're in the aftermath. The Clark County Fire Department investigated the fire, and they requested assistance from the U.S. Fire Administration and the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association. And you can actually find the whole report online, which is pretty cool. A lot Mm -hmm. of that stuff is public record, and it's really neat to be able to... I did not read it because it was very long, and I needed, like, the dummies version of what happened. One of (laughs) of the best tools that we have is to learn from the lessons of the past. Yes. And Uh and make sure that the line-of-duty deaths that have happened... Um, in the past, don't don't really go and you know mm-hmm. don't really happen in vain. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's out there. It's you know departments there. There's actually websites where departments can can um, submit their their close calls mm-hmm. or their you know it's just to help with those lessons learned for everybody. That's good. That's great. Um, so the cause of the fire was determined to be an electrical ground fault. So basically. Sometime after the initial construction of the hotel, the deli, that restaurant, added a display case for pastries, like a refrigerated, you know, one of those refrigerated units. Um, But it wasn't like a a modern day one. It had two copper refrigerant lines that ran from the evaporator to a condensing unit outside of the building. So these lines were run through a section of the wall. They called it a soffit. Yes. I guess, okay. Um, so like a void space. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, like to, to run stuff through. So um, they, they ran these lines through the same section, through the same soffit, as an aluminum electrical conduit. Um, so now the evaporator wasn't installed properly. So when it ran, when it was on, it vibrated, and that vibrated those copper copper lines and then they started moving a little bit and eventually came into contact with the aluminum conduit. And the copper and the aluminum, or the copper corroded the aluminum as well as the friction mm-hmm. and basically uninsulated a bunch of live wires is more or less what happened. Um, so over, and this was over several years, most likely that this, this part happened. 
Um, so the corrosion and the friction ate through all the insulation. And then to make matters worse, these wires had not been grounded. So these were ungrounded wires. So bare wires, ungrounded conduit, it eventually ignited and smoldered for an unknown period of time in this soffit where it didn't have oxygen, so it could only do so much for a period of time, and they don't know how long. Um, so because it was inside a wall. Uh, so eventually, obviously, this fire found oxygen, and that was what became the fire and the fireball. So um, now another thing that was discovered in this investigation was that there were faulty smoke dampers in the ductwork of the hotel. So is this still a thing, dampers in ductwork? Right. So so there are there are systems in place now, fire protection systems that include smoke like exhaustion systems. So right. so when when they detect you, you'll have smoke curtains. They'll kind of funnel smoke to okay. a, to a to a uh, basically an opening where then it's blown out. Okay. And mm-hmm. it's it's ke- it's kept separate from the normal uh, ventilation. ventilation. Yeah. And you can you can actually like the the systems are automated to like okay we we notice we notice right. this here so we'll shut off all of these all of these things because we've right. known we've we've found that over the years that fires have spread through through ductwork right, through right. through ventilation systems where we think we have it out and then it finds it finds another spot and then here here we are again we're, we're we're going right. to take care of business there. So Right. So, yeah, the idea was that these dampers would shut mm-hmm. after sensing the fire so that the air conditioning wouldn't spread carbon monoxide and smoke, obviously. So some had been improperly installed, these dampers, and some had actually been bolted open during construction. So they couldn't shut. So that helped spread the smoke much faster, along with the people who propped open the doors, which I don't blame those people. They were trying to do something helpful. I get it. But, um, uh, oh, do you remember also how uh, sprinklers were supposed to be in any area that wasn't open 24-7? Yeah. Well, uh, the deli was a 24-7 restaurant, but because business hadn't been very good lately, they decided to um, close it during the nights. So it was not um, open 24-7, so that was even not as Jesse being... He was chewing your records. Oh, thank you, Jesse. How kind. Stop that. Yeah, go lay on some paper. Go lay on Demetrius. We got like three or four, yeah. Go lay on Demetrius. He was doing that already. Demetrius is not making an appearance because he's a scaredy cat. Okay, so... Yeah, see, he did what I asked. Yes, he did. He did. Okay. So basically, because the... um, because the fire was was happening in a place with no no sprinklers that was that no one was in if this guy Tim Connor hadn't been taking that shortcut like no one would have oh, noticed this oh, fire geez, until right. that fireball was ripping through the building so Holy shit. so he's actually to not blame to be accommodated for having found this or stumbled upon it and do the right thing so 83 building code violations were found by investigators. No criminal charges were ever filed. That's that's fucking complete garbage right there. Is it is it not at all a surprise at the uh, Right. It's, 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 it wouldn't be a surprise today. That's the sad thing. Yeah. But. 
Specifically, or, or sorry, um, obviously lawsuits were filed though, and specifically over 1,300 separate lawsuits were filed over the next six years with 118 separately named defendants. So, but, oh, come on, stop attacking your brother. Um, so the owners of the casino, now I'm not sure, I'm guessing this was, well, actually I don't know. So in 1980, I'm not sure who the casino owners were. I don't know if it was still our friend Kirker Kerkarian. Um, but anyway, so I'm just going to say the owners, uh, knew that liability insurance would no, in no way cover these, the, these damages, um, and that they were clearly liable for. So they negotiated for a new kind of insurance with their insurance company called retroactive underwriting. So in other words, they were like, we'll pay you X number of dollars if you'll say that this this liability insurance covers us for the past. So they paid out $40 million for this policy. The idea being like, well, why would an insurance company be willing to underwrite it? The idea was litigation would take a long time. So by the time that happened, the money would have been able to grow and invest. I don't know. Anyway, it was supposed to make monetary sense. But the problem is that the litigation got settled a lot faster than anticipated. So um, the insurance company was like, yeah, fuck you. We're, we're not. We're not paying out. So, And then that caused a whole lot of other legal action. But anyway, the settlement was a $223 million fund for the victims and their families. So this place cost $106 million to build. They had to pay out $223 million to the the victims. Now, that wasn't just funded by MGM. More than half of the funds came from the contractors because of the substandard materials, shitty construction, all that stuff. So... So what do you think they did? They repaired the hotel at the cost of over $50 million, which is around $150 million today. Um, sprinklers and fire alarms were installed and smoke detectors. And the hotel reopened within seven months. So by June the following year, this was back up and running. Yeah, if they had just installed all the alarms and all the sprinklers in the first place. $160,000. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. like basically, basically a million, million dollars now yeah. for a half billion plus yeah. dollar construction. And, and then they wouldn't have had to spend, yeah. what was it? $150 million, $223 million on, well, they yeah. paid about half that. So yeah. he, in, in, in essence, lost uh, $349 million. Yeah, it was a really stupid call. <laughs> and and 85 people's lives and a lot of injuries and yes. PTSD and, and who knows broke actual else. broke actual laws by not doing so. Yes. But... so. We don't send those kind of people to jail. <laughs> if you're smoking a joint, you know, because obviously that's much more serious than, uh, you know, not installing sprinkler systems. Mm. So in 1985, the hotel was sold to Bally's Manufacturing, where it was rebranded as Bally's Las Vegas, which is still there on the strip today, including the original tower where all those people died. They built onto it, but that tower, the original tower, is still standing. So we're not going to Bally's. <laughs> Now, in February of 1981, another fire at a nearby hotel, the Las Vegas Hilton, killed eight people. So within three months, another eight people had died. Now, this added fuel, no pun intended, 
to uh, revamping Nevada fire codes, which was done the same year in 1981. It required that all buildings open to the public have fire sprinklers, smoke detectors, and exit maps on hotel rooms, which we're all used to seeing now, making Nevada a a reluctant, that's not a word, reluctant leader (laughs) of fire safety in the United States. Really wanted to say succulent. I did want to say succulent for some reason. Well, it's the desert, that's why. And that, my friends, is the story of the MGM Grand Fire. Yeah. I, it has all the elements of just about every fire we've covered, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Negligence. Yeah. I mean, just... Shoddy construction, yep. poor money-saving choices. Yeah. yeah. All the all the elements that create a structure fire. Yeah. Yeah, and basically. And there, I'm sure there's a thousand that we haven't covered that. Oh, my that goodness. That happened the exact same way. Yes. Just in this country, much less yeah. other... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. I call bullshit, sir. I, I, I do. Good day, sir. As they, as they say on last, last podcast on the left now, this is, this is a travesty. This <laughs> is a travesty. That's yes. true. They do say that. Ah. So that was that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for your contributions, James. That was very enlightening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was yeah, a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for thank you for being willing to spend two hours locked with us in our bedroom so that we can all huddle around a microphone and uh, blather into it for a bit. It is uh, as glorious as I thought it was <laughs> gonna be. Or not sorry, glamorous. Glamorous, glamorous. yes. Yes. Uh, what are you talking about? Like look at our state of the art soundproofing that yeah, we the, have hanging the old over comforter. the door. I mean, this is uh, this is as good as it gets for a regional podcast with several hundred listeners. <laughs> yes, tens of people will listen to this, James. <laughs> that's actually that's underselling it a bit, but yeah, yeah, people in Australia will be listening to this. Well, like you said, you know, we've we've been listening in Arizona, and I'm I'm pretty sure there's a few more. So nice, cool, yeah. And it's always fun. This is the first time we've actually had a first responder on. Yes, that's very true. Since pretty much every single thing we've covered involves a first responder unit in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's all of them. So You know what we need to do? Over the next however many months, we need to have everybody send in their Ask a Firefighter questions or Ask EMS, Ask Fire Rescue questions. And... um, and the next time you're in town, we'll ask you all. Awesome. We'll, we'll do we'll, a, an we'll AMA our, with James. Uh, we'll put it on our Twiddle page. <laughs> on, our tw- on our Twiddle. Or our, <laughs> our uh, Insta. And our, our, our Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So that was the MGM Grand Hotel fire. Yes, and that was a... As all of our fires are, and any fire we ever cover from... Every time we do one, will be depressing as hell. Yeah, pretty much. And involve a lot of negligence. What's that? It just, I don't know. That just irks me, obviously. And then you have James looking at it from his perspective of, well, I've got to go in and actually deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And I've been James. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next week. And... Know your exits. And now, thanks to this fire, they are on a map on the back of your hotel room. So study that.